Three sides of the coin this week. Snake. Not Pliskin. Snake from Skid Row. Wonder how many people know who Plis- Pliskin is. <laughs> We're gonna find out. We're gonna find out. Snake from Skid Row joins us this week. And one of the coolest things he reveals is Paul Stanley's word of the day. We were rolling in laughter. You got to watch this. This Three sides of the coin. Talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. You got the two that started this whole thing 10 years ago. Yep. The two that matter. Mike, Tommy. Although Mark makes a brief appearance and Lisa makes a little longer He doesn't longer say appearance. anything. He just fucking sits there. He's thinking about dinner. Yeah, you maybe we that. should just, you know, on these weeks that he can't do it, let's just put a cardboard cutout next to a, one of us because it's the same thing. We had a Joe Perry cardboard cut up that one time. That Remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so before we get into this week's guest which if you thought last week with kip winger was amazing this week you're gonna love even more so so got any comments to share tommy doing your job today yeah i've got a bunch but before i do that i also want to say uh that i feel like a total moron because during the interview i mispronounced larry mazer's last name because i have a friend named larry Meltzer as well and it confuses the living shit out of me and sometimes i dial the wrong one so my apologies to one of the greatest rock and roll managers in the business our friend larry mazer yep all right so this one i don't know where this came from but it was something that mike pointed out and we actually sent it to kip because i thought it was so cool and this this this, this, this comment is from youtube Oh, good. Okay. Uh, Steve uh, Gower, you guys got me hooked so bad that I'm watching Kip, uh, a Kip Winner, Winger interview. Who would have thought I would ever even cared? Great insight into a real musician's brain and how, and now I have so much respect for him. Wow, Tommy, you rocked it during this one by talking about all the right things. Good job. I've never commented here. So just no, I love this channel so much, even though I hardly ever agree with you guys about Kiss. Kiss fans, since I saw their solo albums advertisement in a comic book on the glossy back pages before I could even read, the Kiss Company. I have always been been pros. Oh, sorry. The Kiss Company have always been pros at this. Anyways, love your channel. You guys have such great dynamic together keep up the good work by the way we'll be going back and getting the winger catalog after this and check out kip's other projects great interview with a true artist good job so now i'm not pointing this out because he gives me some love here in this it's that that is that's the kind of comment that means so much to all of us because we're not only sharing with you our love of music, but we can actually talk about something other than just Kiss. We can talk with these artists that we have on as guests and talk about things that they're doing. And so it means the world to me personally that you are willing to check them out. And we can help listeners get exposed to and introduced to music they would have never listened to before. In this case, he never thought he would have ever listened to an interview with Kip, and now he's going out and and tracking down the winger catalog. Yep. Uh, the Krubler. 
I've been with you guys since the beginning and rarely comment. Yeah, because I've never heard the name before. However, I love the fact that you guys had the interview with Holly Knight, our generation's Carol King. I loved her and even her band device. The fact that you got Kip Winger this week just blows me away. He and the band itself are truly amazing, quality and talented individuals. Writing this just as an interview starts, and yeah, I got the Slaughter and Faster Pussycat openers on that tour. That kind of sucked to Miss Winger. Great job. As always, thank you. Um, Frankie D'Augusta, Winger made some great records, much respect. Um, Planet Cool, great interview with Kip, and I'm so like Kip in terms of songwriting and music as a whole out there. Rock ain't dead, but the business did change. All part of change in life, right? Gene, ha ha. So that's just some of the many wonderful. We, we, we've gotten so many amazing comments on the Kip Winger interview from last yeah. week. I mean, I, 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 I love I love the interview. I'm a big Winger fan. I didn't know how it was going to be received by the Kiss audience, and I'm so pleased and proud of to you guys. See how much um, love our listeners are having for for the interview, for what Kip had to say. Um, again, it's it's just so cool that we can help help some of our listeners get reintroduced, rediscover or discover for the first time, some of these people that we're talking to. So yes, thank you so much for all the comments. Um, this week. Wow. I mean, Tommy, I mean, okay. Pat ourselves on the shoulder here. We've been on a roll and, and honestly, people, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, the interviews just fall into place. Boom, yeah, boom, boom, boom. And their willingness to come on. Yeah. But now this week, we sit down with Snake from Skid Row. Wow. What a great conversation this was. I mean, he's a huge, huge Kiss fan. And a hell of a nice guy and funny. Super nice guy. Lots of great insights into everything that Skid Row has gone through in their entire career and the, the coolest little bit of minutia that he revealed during the farewell tour was Paul Stanley's word of the day. Fantastic. You have to listen to when he gets to that part of the interview. What is Paul Stanley's word of the day? What were some of the words I love learning little things like this. It just shows me that that Paul Stanley and Kiss and Skid Row, they can all still have fun when they're performing and touring. It's about having a good time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let it let it roll. Snake from Skid Row. We'll see you at the end. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your support. Three sides of the coin. I, you know, it's not often we have guests on who are known by one name. I mean, we're still waiting for Madonna, but I just don't think that's ever going to happen. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not. Dude, if Madonna wanted to come on, she could come on. Let's be honest. 
Yeah, I uh, I would yeah. think so. She takes precedence over me, that's for sure. So yeah. we we got we got Snake from Skid Row sitting down with us, and this is this is freaking cool. I mean, Thank because you. I feel like we're just hanging out with another Kiss fan. It's the truth. You are. <laughs> it's exactly which, what which, it is. It's the best shows in the world when it's just a whole bunch of Kiss fans talking this this crazy group we've been following for nearly fifty years. Isn't it amazing that one that one band, one group of people could have such an overwhelming devotion and, and effect on such a wide swath of people around the world? I mean, yeah. the devotion that is committed to this band uh, through so many generations. I mean, you said it 50 years. You know, it's been roughly the same for me. Uh, my my allegiance and and uh, uh my uh, obsession with all things kiss you know started roughly 50 years ago so i'm just amazed that all this time later how uh the the band and its music and its uh its brand i hate to use that word but it really is a brand uh has just continue to grow. It just it doesn't stop. It just continue, and it's gonna go well beyond. It's our gonna year. go forever. It's gonna go yeah. forever. I mean, you know, this is we we we've talked about this in past episodes, and you can you can chime in as being a musician and in a band. I can't imagine Gene and Paul, Peter Ace, or any band when you first start sitting here going, "Well, I'm gonna be doing this 50 years from now." None of us, none of us, you know, it's for us. I remember when when we were in the garage in in Tom's River, New Jersey, and and we were putting this thing together. You know, Rachel and I were were slowly putting the the pieces together and, you know, writing songs and and developing a relationship and a a respect for one another and a camaraderie. and once we had, once we were close, we thought, wow, this, this might really happen. Like we might be able to actually have a good band. <laughs> and then from that point, you go to playing out shows and gaining a following and you're going, wow, we've, you know, people are responding. We've got a really good band. And then all of a sudden you get a record deal. And the idea is, you know, the big picture is, you want to sell millions of records and you want to do this for the rest of your life. And you want to exist much in the same way, like the Rolling Stones. That's, that's the uh, blueprint. You know, everybody wants to be the Rolling Stones and, and to be out there doing it well into your later years in life. And, but the, the, the reality of that is like, really like we, to be honest with you, the reality for us was we just wanted to sell enough records to be able to make another record. And we wanted to be able to play music for a living. That was like the goal. So like we our our band has been around 36 years now. And that seems like a lifetime. But to picture, you know, like you said, with Gene and Paul and, and Ace and Peter in, in like 1972, to think that their 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 legacy is still living on and that you know the the band is still playing shows in 2023 and and 
uh, and it will it will be beyond that as well. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know it's 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 crazy, especially in the case of Kiss right now, and a lot of the bands like them that are 70 plus years and older. The only reason they're having to stop is because of physical age and body. If if that wasn't an issue. The demand for all of these bands is just as big now as it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. And they could go on forever. It's just their bodies will not let them do it anymore. We're living in a really incredible period of time uh, in, in the history of music. You, there are so many bands out there now that you would never think maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago would be arena bands or stadium bands. And look what's happening. I mean, uh, uh, besides Kiss, there's Motley Crue and Def Leppard and there's the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and uh, the the Green Days of the world. And, and it's just a tremendous time for music to be, music is being celebrated uh, the likes of which we really haven't seen, at least in my lifetime. Um, and everyone thought that it, it was the demise of the music business with streaming services and everything like that. And it turns out that it's not. Uh, it turns out that it's just another way that people get to receive their music and experience it. But I think with the with the pandemic, people have now placed such... Uh, have such a high regard for the live experience uh, that we, having not had it for a period of time, we really realize how special the live uh, experience really is. And when you, you, when it comes to, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. no, go, no, go ahead. Please, go ahead. Please. Comes, especially when it comes to a band like Kiss, because they, they really were, hugely instrumental in shaping the live experience uh and even you know early 70s you had uh alice cooper and you know the crazy world of arthur brown and and these theatrical artists but kiss like took it to another level and still to this day uh they basically set the standard for what a live show can be and now you see bands like uh uh, Ramstein or Rammstein, however you pronounce their name, and and all these other bands that are are putting on these incredible live stage performances, and uh, you know they could thank Kiss for opening up everybody's eyes to what the possibilities were, and the possibilities were endless. I mean, I saw Kiss. Kiss was my first concert. It was December sixteenth, nineteen seventy seven, at Madison Square Garden, Ooh, and. Nice. Yeah, and uh, I walked in there, uh, a 13-year-old kid that uh, was going to be a baseball player and, and had his life kind of going down that that jock direction pathway, if you will. And I walked out of there a changed human being. I was not the same kid. I walked out of there, and I was transformed into something else completely. And I didn't know what exactly it was that I wanted to do with music. 
but I knew I needed what I just saw. I that bombacity of that stage production, the 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 uh, the amazing music, um, the visual, the connection with the audience, uh, the electricity that was in the air. It was it was like nothing I had ever felt before, and I wanted that to be a part of my life somehow. And that that was the day that everything turned for me and set me on a path to becoming, you know, a musician and a songwriter. You know, I, I was going to say, Snake, I feel like why the live experience is so important, especially today, is our generation, and we're all 50 plus years old here on this show, we grew up living live rock and roll. Yeah, we got the vinyl albums and the cassette tapes and the eight tracks and all that. But I, I, I remember when I first discovered bands coming in concert, I was like, holy crap, you mean this band I listened to is going to play live? And I started going to like, and I'm sure we're all this way. Once I discovered it, I was going to a concert like every single month, no matter who was coming to town, I was going. And we've got so many memories and so much of our life is is built around these live events that we went to because either they changed your life to turn you into a musician or you met somebody important or you you've got you know mark has shared his crazy experiences of getting you know ozzy throwing raw meat at him on stage and you know it's just it's just those live experiences that i think we want to go back and relive we know they're not going to happen again. I mean, Mark's not getting live raw meat thrown at him ever again, but he can go to a concert. He can go to a concert and go, I remember, I remember when this happened. And you know, it makes all of us smile when you're at a show and you go, yeah, I remember when I was 13 or 15 or 10 or whatever it was at those live concerts. And that's why I think it's so important for tour for bands to continue to tour because that's the connection to the memories, to what's important. Well, the thing for, for us as a collective in Skid Row is that it's all about the connection, uh, the connection amongst the man members on stage and the connection uh, with the audience. And that, that's the thing that it, after all this time is still so very humbling because I still I'm getting chills right now talking about it. Um, the when we're sitting there and playing a song on stage, and you look out in the audience and you see people singing back the lyrics to the song that you helped create, or playing air guitar to the solo, uh, it's those moments that you go that we go, holy crap! Like we created something from nothing. And we were able to touch these these people, whether it be in Atlanta or whether it be in Tokyo or uh, South America, wherever that you know music is is truly the universal language. And we've been able to somehow create something that has reached these people in a positive way, and that will never get old. And and it's again that goes back to how. That Kiss show touched a 13-year-old kid from Sarah, New Jersey and changed his life. It was transformative. 
Yeah. Uh, and then inspired me to maybe be able to do something of the of the same uh, and be a part of something that uh, maybe changes someone else's life in that audience in, in a positive way. But that's, that's so, the big payoff. That's so cool, though, that you're still in touch with that, because sometimes I feel like some artists have kind of lost a little bit of that. So from the outside looking in, I've always thought that seems to me what you just described to be the big reward. Without and, a doubt. And it seems like you're appealing to younger people now as well. At least I saw, I was just saying off, off camera, I saw the first show of the Gangs All Here Tour. You guys have got to get out there. We'll talk about the Buck Cherry uh, Skid Row thing later. But it seems like your music now is transcending into different generations, which has to feel good. It's oh. not like it. You're you're stuck with people our age. You're getting young <laughs> people through. I wouldn't but, stay stuck with. I'd say fortunate to have. Well, you know what I mean? As far as like, it's the same crowd all the time. You're getting younger people who are singing those songs back to you. That's got to feel great. But I'm really curious, when you look at music in general, from your position as a professional musician, and you look at the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Aerosmith, pick any band you want. I still believe there's something special about Kiss that takes you to a different place as a fan. So from your point of view, what is it about them that makes them just so damn special? They're timeless. Um, they're everything about them is timeless. Their music is timeless. Their personas are timeless. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't age, if you will, like, like us mere mortals. Uh, it, it's one of those things where the, uh, the kiss of 2023 can have the same impact on someone in the audience that the kiss of 1977 had on me and my friends. Uh, and that's because that those songs are amazing. Uh, they can fit in, in with any generation. I mean, they wrote what is arguably the, the, the greatest rock anthem of all time. And, and you could tell when they play it every night that they, they know the power that that song possesses. And, and it's so very simple but it's so perfect and it transcends generations. And it's like, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. I mean, I, I don't know of anything that describes the essence of, of music more so than that. Uh, it's at, at its basic level. And then it, it branches out from there, but just that hits everybody the same way. I think it's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. You know, when you're 13 or 53, man, you know, you know, Tommy, to, to follow up what you just asked, the, one of the things I it's always stuck with me from the very earliest kiss interviews. I remember them saying, we want you to come to a kiss concert. And for two hours, we want you to forget about your life. We want you to forget about your teachers, your job, your parents, your school. Forget about whatever is just bothering you and is a pain in the butt in your life you leave that at the arena door when you walk in because at a kiss concert that's that doesn't matter anymore and and 
I feel like that still stands to this day. You walk into a Kiss concert on the end of the road tour, forget about forget about the pandemic, forget about COVID, forget about politics, forget about anything else. You're just going to freaking have a kick-ass time for the next two hours. Yeah, I don't think that the audience has a choice. I think that uh, just the power of the band and, and everything that we've mentioned so far, the the theatrics and and the the overpowering presence and and the songs uh you have you really have no choice you do leave everything behind and uh because they demand that through through their show and and uh through everything that they present to the audience i mean you know there there it's one of the few shows that there's no lull it's just all entertaining every second of it. And it's always been that way. I mean, I've seen them on, you know, like I said, on the, on the alive Two tour, which is what that was in 77. I saw them on the creatures of the night tour. Uh, I toured with them on the fair farewell tour in 2000. Uh, we're going to be doing shows with them on the end of the road tour in Europe uh, this summer. And it's always been the same thing. Uh, they just, they refuse to allow the audience to be encumbered by the everyday doldrums that may exist for people. They offer and take you on a journey that uh, for the next however long it's going to be, you will you will be in a, in a better place and uh, you will never forget that experience let's let's talk about the farewell tour that that you guys were on with them uh, start with just as a longtime kiss fan describe that moment where you got confirmation skid row's opening for kiss on the farewell tour what what went through your mind oh my head exploded my smoke came out of my ears i mean it was just it was the most unbelievable thing. It, it, Doc had called me and had said, so you guys want to open up for Kiss? And we're like, what? Like that, it, you dream and literally dream of hearing those words uh, as my favorite band uh, in, in history and the band that's had the most profound effect on me uh, to hear that to, is the most um, otherworldly uh, feeling and to have it be a reality, like to show up in Phoenix and have it be a reality. Like we're really doing this. Like this isn't a joke. It's just the most incredible thing in the world. Um, there's really no words to describe it, and I know that's cliche, but there really is no words to describe it because it's a childhood dream. And here are these guys who are still your heroes, who you, you're lucky enough to have built some sort of relationship with on a friendly level, and and but you have the utmost respect for. And, you know, truth be told, uh, we, we would have roadied on that tour if we could have. Uh, for the guys and yet we got to go out there and play skid row songs uh in front of our heroes and for a hundred and some odd shows 
and we spent, you know, uh, seven, eight months with them. And it was, you know, that that's just a, a, a point in my life where, you know, I, I attempt to explain it to like my kids or, or my friends and, and my friends get it because I, my friends I've known since grade school. So they know how much this band means to me. And, uh, they, so they understand the, uh, the enormity of the, of, of that period of time for me personally, and for us as a band. And we watched every show every night. We sat in a photographer pit and watched that show, uh, because you just don't know if you're ever going to get that chance again. And it's, uh, it was such a gift. And those guys, not only was it, 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 it's such an honor to be on that stage opening up for them, but they were so great to us. They treated us so great with such respect and, and just, they couldn't have been nicer. Uh, and that just, that was just icing on the cake. I think for all of us, you know, to have your heroes uh, not only acknowledge you and, and your band, but to take you in and to treat you like part of their family uh, out there on the road. And we had so much fun with those guys. They were just, you know, uh, the just uh, number one, they're 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 again, their show, as always, was amazing. But. Uh, they were so gracious in everything uh, on that tour, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, stage time, sound checks, uh, lights, uh, you know, just everything you could ask for and more. I mean, there was no shenanigans or, or you know, trying to undercut anybody or anything like that. They're all about let's all have a great show together. That's awesome. Uh, so that, we, we, I, I got to run. I just wanted to pop in and say hi because uh, we have reservations and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> I wanted to speak to you more, um, but, uh, you know, time does not allow. Next yeah. time you're through Detroit, we'll definitely have to hook up or whatever. So. <laughs> okay. You got to go over to his house and see his collection. You'll freak out. I, it's, I, I Did Billy show you some of that? I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> so. Anyways, I gotta run. My 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 wife just went out the door. She's nice. She's there, so I gotta take split. take care, Mark. All right. Take care, you, Mark. Bye. You're gonna go over though, though. You need a safe word. Um, <laughs> you know, no snake snake. When you were commenting about how well they treated you, we've had a lot of other musicians who who opened and toured with Kiss on this show, and that's a common statement i mean we just had kip winger on last week you know and, yeah. and winger opened on the hot in the shade tour we've had uh uh ron young from little caesar on we've had mark slaughter on everybody says they treated us so well they they would come watch us they would come say hi to us in the dressing room they didn't they didn't pull the shenanigans that you hear about of like, oh, no lights, no sound check. You get two feet of stage. Yeah, exactly. None of that. And yeah. and I find that just that says something about Kiss, Gene and Paul. I think when when so many musicians say the same thing. Because they're not insecure. Uh, they're very, very aware Um uh, of they're not in an egotistical way. I mean, there is some sort of ego that goes along with it, but they're they're aware of the enormity of who they are. 
um, because they put every ounce of energy into not only creating this larger than life entity, but to maintaining it and growing it. And so they're not insecure. They're not worried about a, uh, an up and coming band or an established band going on and, you know, whatever, stealing a show or anything. They're not, it's all about how to make the whole show, the whole experience great for the audience. Um, and, and that's they, how it should they, be. Exactly. That's the way we look at it too. I mean, we've always been about, you know, it's not just about our skid. It's not about skid rows hour and a half or however long we're on stage for. It's about the audience's experience from the beginning to the end of the night, you know, cause they paid money for a ticket that is for the whole night, just not just for a part of it. And so, you know, when we were back in the day when we had Pantera out with us and Soundgarden out with us, uh, we gave them full run of everything. Have at it. Let's be great together. You know, right. I, I never understood the insecurities of, of, of having to give people a limited amount of space or stage or anything like that. I, I, I didn't get that. Uh, and I'm glad and we didn't get that as a band. So I'm just glad that we always maintain the mentality of, of look, uh, we all got to be at our very best. So if you're going to go out there, uh, we want to give you every opportunity to be your best. Uh, it, it all, all it does is it makes it better for the audience. Uh, and it'll keep us on our toes too. Yeah. It'll, it makes you better. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, so Snake, I was I was working with Kiss during the farewell tour. I was doing their website and stuff like that. So I was out on the road for a lot of the shows. I want to get your memories of the last show in the U.S., which happened to be the last show the four original guys ever played together. And 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 you know, tell us as a band what was going through your mind. What did you guys do to prank Kiss? And what do you remember about that show and the way it ended? I don't, you know what? I, you have to excuse me. I don't remember if we pranked them. I'm sure we did. And we had to do something. But uh, I remember, I couldn't believe it was over. Because I had been living a dream for this last, you know, seven months or whatever. Uh, and I didn't, I, I didn't want it to end. Um, yeah. Again, the camaraderie that we all had with one another out there and just uh, uh, sit, being able to sit back and go, man, I, I, we're a part of something that's really, really something special. And we, but we had no idea that it would be the last time that the original four played together. That was something that had an impact later on. It still does have an impact actually uh, on us that we were like, wow, like we were part, very, very small microscopic part of history. Like we were on that very last show. And uh, was it, was it in Charlotte? Uh, yeah, Columbus I believe. Or, oh, was it? No, no, I think it was Charlotte. I think it was Charlotte. It was like, Charlotte you know, was either was... the last or the second to last one, but it yeah, was... yeah. 
I, I, I just remember that last week getting a call from Doc's office telling me, Mike, you better get out to these last shows because we just don't quite know what the future is going to be. And these any one of these shows might turn out to be the last Kiss show. Wow. And 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 because, I mean, I think, you know, being backstage and knowing it, there was tension. There was obviously tension oh, yeah, yeah. going on between the four of them. Yeah. Um, main and, and a lot of it coming from Peter. That's when Peter had the teardrop on his eye because he wasn't happy. And obviously that that last show, that's when he destroyed his drum kit on stage. And, yep. you know, he was he was angry, pissed, happy, relieved, everything. And I just remember backstage after the show was over. And I've told this on the on, on the podcast before I was standing back there outside the dressing room and Gene and Paul come out, Ace and Peter come out and they just each walked their separate ways. And there was no hugs. There was no goodbyes. It was just like, and, and I was just like, wow, is this how it ends? Well, did, did it just end by two guys going this way and two guys going this way? It was, it was a weird, it was a weird, it was a weird day. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, it, it, the whole time I was out there, I was 16 years old. You know, I, I that's what I was every day. I was the kid in front of the mirror pretending to be Paul or Ace. That's that was I was the 16 year old kid again. Yeah. Uh, that all I cared about was the guitar and playing the guitar in front of people and uh, pretending to be my heroes and to be able to get on that stage every night and, and live that dream. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see that other stuff. Luckily I saw those four guys on that stage triumphant as they've always been in my eyes. Right. And so that was great for me uh, and for us Skid Row. Uh, the politics of all that stuff is 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 obviously it's none it's none of my business and and I'm thankful that I have nothing to do with that uh, and and uh, that's all their own and I, I understand band politics as well as anybody. Yeah, I I was gonna say you probably have a have heard and are tired of hearing it as much as Gene and Paul are tired of hearing the. So when's the reunion? I mean, it's just like. You know, it hasn't happened and it's never going to happen. People stop exactly. asking. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't get me wrong. Like, I I appreciate where people are coming from when they ask that question. Uh, they hold a certain part of our history dear to them. And I really I'm I'm I, I, I'm grateful for that, uh, that we played. We gave them some sort of joy at some point in our career that they hold on to and 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 they want to experience that again on some level i i i'm humbled by that but to be quite honest is you know this is going on 24 years already so it's just it's it doesn't it doesn't play into uh our narrative at all um we if anyone's seen the band uh, recently everybody is aware of you know, how, yep. what a great space we're in and the music that we're creating uh, is inspiring, inspired 
I should say. Um, and, you know, I we always felt, Rachel and I and Scotty always felt that um, you have to love the music that you're playing and love the guys that you're playing it with. Uh, mm-hmm. Some bands can can go out there and, and go out and play and, and not speak a, a single word. Which to- is weird to me. It's weird to me too, and and I think it's weird to all of us. And and it w- for us, it was we couldn't do it. Uh, we really couldn't do it. It and so so we didn't. So we decided to. We made changes when we had to make changes. We said when it stopped being fun, we're going to stop doing it, or make the necessary changes for it to be fun again. Whatever that right. is, mm-hmm. and we didn't take into consideration whether we would be as popular as we once were, those things were, they was kind of ancillary thoughts to the whole thing of, I, I started doing this and we started doing this before our love of expression through music, uh, our, our love for the idea of being able to perform in front of people because Kiss showed us what it could be like what that connection could be like uh the power of music it always comes back to that and music was the way and is the way that we found as individuals and then collectively how to express ourselves when we couldn't really find a way whether we were awkward socially uh with uh in groups or cliques or whatever or school and and we just didn't they didn't quite fit in or, or, you know, it just wasn't, we weren't getting our, our feelings, our, 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 our expression of emotion out there in, in a way that, that was satisfying and through music, we were able to, and still are able to, and that's, that's amazing uh, to be able to communicate creatively and, and, you know, you, you, you create these this music and these songs out of the need to get it out of you. Uh, and you do it for a very selfish reason. You're doing it for yourself. But that's how it remains genuine. And then after that, after you're happy with what you've been able to get out of yourself or satisfied with it to a certain degree, then you hope that it connects to people. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, when it's part of the journey, though, too, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. And that's when it connects, man. Wow. Like, wow. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, Um, go ahead. I just, we've got a lot more Kiss stuff we want to talk about, but I want to talk a little bit about Skid Row. And for the people that, are fans of yours, but may not know some of this history. What I'd like to talk about is Eric, your newest member. The kid can sing. It's unfreaking believable how good he is. So can you give us just a little background of like, how did that transition happen? How did you find him? You know, like you said, you make the changes necessary to keep moving forward and it doesn't matter what the past is. I'm curious, like if you decide that you're going to change a singer or any member where do you start? What do you do? Do you just go, okay, we got to find somebody because this isn't working for whatever reason. How did he, you know? Well, all of this, this story, the whole, the whole of the story is uh, you couldn't write this because nobody would believe it. 
this starts uh we pretty much recorded this record twice uh once before and during the pandemic and then in the current uh state that it's in now uh the finished state if you will um we started uh making this record with Nick Raskulinitz, who is one of the most unbelievable producers uh and people that I've ever had the, the good fortune of meeting. He uh he expressed a desire to Rachel that he wanted to do a skid row record. Rachel lives in Nashville, so does Nick. Nick's Reputation precedes himself. He's done Hailstorm, uh, Foo Fighters, Rush, Mastodon, Alice in Chains. The list goes on and on. Stone wow, Sour. That's great. The list goes on and on. He's uh, an unbelievably talented guy. And he's a Jersey guy, too. So that works out well. Uh, and so he met Rachel uh, through a group of friends in in Nashville. And he said, during the course of a conversation, I would love to produce a Skid Row record. Rachel calls me up and he goes, uh, you, you know this guy, Nick Raskulinitz? I'm like, oh, well, I know of him. Yeah, he's amazing. And he goes, I just met him. And he goes, he's a really cool guy. And he said he wants to do a Skid Row record. So, of course, the cynical side of Rachel and I are like, nah, he's just being nice. Sure enough, maybe a week or two later. They see each other again, and he's like, dude, I'm serious. I want to make a Skid Row record. I want to make the quintessential Skid Row record. So we're like, wow, okay, let's take him up on this then. So we get on a Zoom call with him, and we're like, okay, lay it out for us. How do you want to do this? And he goes, well, I think that you guys have gotten gotten away from the essence of who you are. And he goes, and that's going to happen. You've been making music for 36 years uh or however long and those are the things that occur you don't want every record to be redundant so uh, you you do you you make it different and maybe you find yourself down the road quite a distance away from where you started at and he goes and and he goes i don't want to redo what you've done in the past i just want that essence i want you guys to remember why you started playing music, why you started this band, what inspired you to do all this and what inspires you now. And so that really hit a chord with all of us. We understood it, but we're like, okay, how are we going to do this? You know, like I get it. I get it. Cause I, as I said before, the essence of who I am is that 16 year old kid in front of the mirror with an Ibanez Iceman pretending to be Paul or Ace or, you know, yeah. Eddie Van Halen or whomever. Uh, and, uh, and everybody found that particular spot within their spirit. And but their how soul. did you get, but how did you get there? I mean, cause it, it sounds interesting and up until you do it, it sounds like a lot of lip service maybe from a producer or people who have these great ideas, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I Jack Douglas told me once that Aerosmith couldn't do another record like they made in the 70s to save their life. So what was it that is different for you as, as a musician, as a skid row, but how did you reach that spot? Well, we, the, first of all, Nick made it very clear that we weren't going to make a record that we made in 89 or 90. 
what we were going after was who we are, uh, uh, the people that started this band and, and, and what is the true essence of Skid Row. Now, that's what exists, existed back then, uh, but we didn't want to be redundant. But that spirit is what we were looking for again. So okay. we knew, we were like, okay, buddy, here, have at it. We're following you. Guide us down this path of, of which we've never been down before. And one of the first things that we did was we put that trust in this guy that was as a stranger at the time, but quickly became a family member. We put our trust in him. And it also in doing so, we left our egos in the parking lot. And once we did that and put our trust in him, it was such an unbelievable experience. We set up in the studio, cranked the amps, and started going through every song. And he's like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to deconstruct and rebuild every song. We're like, okay, cool. So we started jamming, and it's loud, and we're having fun, and we're sweating. And then he would start dissecting stuff. He's like, I really like that. I like that part there. That part there doesn't work for me. Why don't you do something like you did in the second verse of Monkey Business? And all of a sudden, I'd be like, oh, crap, I know that guy. And, it, you know, I remember that. And so it opened up this whole thing because I did remember it. Is But now I'm older and hopefully wiser. And, and uh, But I was able to... Uh, at his direction to to grasp that and we all were and it was so exciting man because we would sit there and and go okay how about this and on the spot and then scotty would go oh well maybe this on top of that and it would just be this incredible uh uh creativity going on this spontaneous uh spontaneity of it all was really inspiring and everybody was was in it uh, you know everybody in the band and we were going back and forth and back and forth and that's how we were creating these songs uh to the point where we went yeah that's it that's it like there's where the song should be uh and so he by this process was able to bring out of us the best parts of who we are as musicians and writers and people. Uh, and there was such a great amount of joy amongst everybody. So then we have all the, we have all the music uh, recorded and this is February of last year. We have all the music recorded. We have a couple songs vocally recorded. Now, during this time, we had been going out and doing live shows as well. And we, uh, we, there had been uh, some time where, where the band and ZP were drifting apart. Um, and we had hoped, all of us had hoped that we, we could somehow bring it back together. And unfortunately it kept, uh, going off in different directions to the point where we realized that it wasn't salvageable. So now we're sitting there and it's, it's, it's the third week of February and we've got to deliver this record and we've got to uh, prepare for the residency that we're due to do uh, play with the Scorpions at the end of March, which is a month away. 
and we're making the decision to to replace our singer and it's crazy is it scary at that point because you got all this great music terrifying it was terrifying uh because we had no idea what was going to happen we just go we know we've got to make a change and we're completely trusting our gut instincts on this thing completely so rachel says remember that guy eric who did 18 in life and you know because he had i was made aware of eric in 2009 when he did 18 in life for a swedish idol yep. uh and someone had sent it to me and said check this out and i was like wow you know it's awesome it's amazing and it's an honor and he was a young kid 18 years old i think somewhere around there uh 20 maybe and he uh so he was first on our radar there. Then around 2014, 2015, a couple people who were uh, friends of ours that, that we really respected, they'd say, hey, I know everything is going really good, but should something happen, there's this kid in Stockholm. We're like, Eric. And he's like, yeah, we're, like, we're aware. He's great. 2019, we're in Europe. We have this band Heat open up for us, Eric's band. So Eric, we hear Eric singing every night. We're like, wow, this, this guy is fantastic, amazing. And never really got to know him, just really appreciated how talented he was. Cut to this moment in February of last year where Rachel goes, what about that guy, Eric? We're like, he, the, you know, the guy who's doing all the YouTube videos. And he had been coming out, and we had been paying attention. Uh, the, the Iron Maiden stuff, the the Sabbath stuff, and Journey, and Van Halen, and so we're like, how what, how are we going to reach out to him? So Rachel DMs him, and we come up with this idea that we say, yeah, we wrote some songs. We want to know if you'd be interested in singing on them, thinking that we're being sly. So he's like, sure, send them over. So. His wife, he tells his wife, and his wife immediately said, they're auditioning you, man. And so... She's the smart one. Yep. So we sent them over to Gangs All Here, and he sent it back like two days later. And I'm in an airport uh, uh, airline uh, lounge, and Rachel's in another airport, and we're all kind of scattered. And... Rachel texts me and he goes, did you hear the track yet? And I'm like, no, I got no privacy. He's like, you have to go listen to it. So I go in the bathroom and I listen to it and and on my phone and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I just write back, holy shit. And everybody's response was the same thing. Like, amazing. This is incredible. Nick, our producer was like, wow. So, but again, being cynical, like this can't be happening. This is too easy. Right. So we sent them, we were like, sent them a couple songs and he sent them back and they were great. And Nick uh, wrote to us like, this is next level. So Rachel, so, I, Rachel, I get on a Zoom call with them and we we have pleasantries for about a minute. And Rachel goes, so how do you feel about being the singer for Skid Row? And he put his head down and we were both like, oh man, here we go. He's going to say he's got commitments he's busy he doesn't want to do it blah 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 and he puts his head up and he goes i'd be honored and we're like did this just happen 
did we just get a new singer in the band that we've never played music with in a room or had a beer with or sat down and had dinner with that we've never really met? Did we just ask someone to join the band via the internet? <laughs> and we did. Uh, and oddly enough, you know, every, I think people are aware of his of his health issues. He's a cancer survivor and uh, he had been battling uh, and 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 winning and but he's in recovery and so uh it didn't his health didn't allow him to fly into the states now now all this is happening within a week uh at the end of february so now we're like holy crap like we might be able to do this scorpions residency for real yeah couldn't come to the states to 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 sing the record. So we did it remotely with him in Stockholm and Nick and Rachel and I and, and Scotty and Rob in Nashville and going back and forth. And we would give him guide uh, melodies and stuff like that. And he would go at it and he was, he sang the record that we all heard in our heads. Like Amazing. as he was sending us stuff for like, that's it. Like, this can't be happening. Like, are we kidding ourselves? Like, we're second-guessing ourselves. And then we go, I can't explain it. Like, this does not, this is serendipitous. Uh, and and so we just flew with it, man. And, you know, the first time that we met him was on March 22nd. He flew in to the States. Uh, I met up with him at JFK airport and we flew together to, to Las Vegas. And we were like friends that hadn't seen each other in 30 years and hugs and drinking beers and laughing at stupid stuff. And it was like, we had known each other for so long. And so we get to Vegas and we meet up with the rest of the band. And it was the same thing. All of us just like, we were like, this is incredible. This just doesn't happen. Like if we were to write a script like this, people go that that's just not believable. Um, and so that was a Tuesday. We rehearsed on Wednesday and Thursday. We were so happy with rehearsals that we took off Friday and played our first show on Saturday. Wow! So we basically four days after we met him, we played our first show with the Scorpions. That's that crazy. It's that is crazy. Well, so. Crazy. I want to take you back to something you said earlier that's really interesting to me because we're non-musicians here, okay? So, so I, all of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, all right, a, a couple of things. But the first thing would be, you mentioned guide melody. And that was, I was going to ask you about this. Like, so you have the songs done without the vocals. So you send this over to the guy and then you send the lyrics. And then do you have someone kind of singing the song to yeah, send him uh, us, us do doing that? terrible falsetto and you know you know like yeah yeah i okay. guide vocal you know like singing singing a, a a melody into you know a microphone on a track and and but also leaving the door open for him to be him not saying it has to be this way saying right. here are the points that we want you to hit because these are the melodies that were that are are the standouts these are the what we would hope were the hooks of the song but take this other stuff and run with it be you but 
have this as a, a guideline, a benchmark, if you will. Okay. And, um, and that's what he did. And it was, again, I, 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 you know, he would send the stuff and we, every time he would send it and we'd be like, this can't, how is this happening? Like this, somehow this is working. Like everything says this shouldn't work. This should not work. Because it's too like, easy. It doesn't make any sense. And to sit there and then show up four days before our first show, never having done anything with them other than be at the same venue when we were on tour together and never really hang out. You know, you don't know whether you're going to like the guy. You don't know whether he's going to like you. Right. Uh, you don't know whether he's going to have a UG go. You don't know what, you know, I mean, you don't know. There's so many unanswered questions. So you're just, you're really uh, just trusting your instincts at that point and, and going, you know what? It's been unbelievable up to this point. We might as well keep rolling with it. And yeah. Well, and I think it's also really interesting too, that the way you described how you found him is that you truly chose him because you think he's a great singer. You're not trying to replace him to sound like somebody else. No, definitely not. And that's, I think that's huge too, because you know, to me, it's like I always use Robin Zander as an example. Okay. I think Robin Zander is defying time. He gets better as he gets older. But when you find a talent like that, oh. you put him in the band. It's not because you're trying to recreate something that doesn't exist anymore. And I think it's really important for people to understand that if that's how you feel, that I think that's great that that's why you chose him. It wasn't like you're trying to do something you used to do. No, and that and that's I'm glad that you pointed that out because it's so very true. Uh it was really about we already knew he could sing, you know, 18 Life. That was a pretty good indicator. Uh and he did it uh he did it so much justice uh above and beyond. And and it was really about the new songs, finishing this record, the record that we heard in our head. Um and you know what? But the truth of the matter is that's obviously a huge part of it. Uh, but we had to like the guy. We had to get along with him. That and was- he looks and he's really great at grabbing the audience. And he's a part of the band, he, at least from my perspective. I've only seen one show with him, which was the opener. Right. But I felt like I was like, holy shit. He really commands the attention of the audience and fits right in with what you're doing. Because I got to tell you, I shoot over, I photograph over 200 bands a year and I'm telling you, there's some that I'm just like, really? What the fuck? Because it's (laughs) like, they just, there's just no chemistry between the band members or there's one thing that's just not there. And you guys have that. And I think that's part of why this whole fuck cherry skid row thing, because when Larry, Larry Melzer, um, first said something to me about this i was just like because he's like do you think that'll work i'm like fuck yeah because to me there's no difference between the two of your bands with the in the respect that there's no way that you can have i'm sorry mazer larry mazer there's no there's no way that you can have one of these two bands and not like the other to me it's like this tour that the two of you guys even though your different periods to a certain degree, it, it's flawless and the people love it. 
Thank you. Yeah, it's a there. We toured with them in Europe uh, a ways back um, when Keith was still in the band, and uh, it was great. It, it was the audience really responded to the whole thing uh, as a whole, and that goes back to what we were saying before about you know you want people the whole experience to be enjoyable for the for the people, not just one band or the other band. It's about, you know, everything that uh, is going on that particular night. Um, and you want to leave people going, man, I, I got more than my money's worth. Because we're really, really cognizant of the fact that um, people work really hard for their money. And it's an honor that someone makes a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to plop down x amount of dollars to get a ticket to see you know skid row and buck cherry and uh i'm gonna block out my wednesday night for that and and i'll get a babysitter or do whatever you have to do and call in sick to work or whatever but that's like an honor like we're really aware of that which is uh, really cool and and so we 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 honor that every night by being as good as we can possibly be and putting on the best package show that we can. Uh, it's really, it's important to us because again, it's cliche, but without them, there is no us. So, you know, without the audience, there is no Skid Row or Buck Cherry. Who does you that know? sound like? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Kiss. I, exactly. I have, I have to bail in a minute. Cause I have to go to a band parents meeting. However, I did, <laughs> I did. I have, I have to ask you something that, you know, Mike Nash, right? Yeah. Okay. So he just told me to ask you this. Hold on. I got to find the, what he just sent, sent me. Hold on. He said, ask him about the word that they would write on a piece of paper and hand it to Paul Stanley on his way to the stage. This... And, Paul would ha- and Paul would have to use that word in his first rap with the crowd. Is that true? Yes, it's true. What we were having a conversation with Paul and uh, he was joking around going, you know what? I, I, I could get the crowd to cheer for anything. And we're like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, no, I'm serious. I could get the crowd to cheer for anything. And I'm like, not I, we are like, no way. Like, I, I and, and we came up with the idea. It was called the word of the day. And we were throwing out like, okay, if I say whatever, like the word, like you're going to be able to fit that into a rap and make the people cheer. He's like, yep, I can do it. I'll do it every night. And we're like, okay, can we give you a word of the day? And he's like, sure. So we came up with this thing. Every We had like a word or a small or a short phrase every day. Uh, like Wookie Foot, like he had to incorporate Wookie Foot into a rap. So we would write it in the envelope. We write word of the day for Paul from the skids. And as he was going to the stage, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes before they would go on, we'd give him the word of the day. He'd open it up. He'd read the word. He's like, not a problem. First rap of the night that he did, I think it was after like the second song. What, what maybe uh, they might have done Detroit into King of the Nighttime World, and uh, and then there was a rap after that, and he would 
incorporated in Wookie Foot. And we were like, I can't believe it. <laughs> That's a great story. And then we come up with something else like diaper fight. <laughs> diaper fight. And he's like, okay, diaper fight. And he yeah, does it. Diaper, we're like, diaper fight was one of the words. That's what he just said. <laughs> yep. And we were even... like, he pulled it off and we were like, this is incredible. <laughs> so we would do that. And uh, yeah, he, he would well, do it. Was was there was there ever a word of the day where he stopped for a second and was like, oh, "Are you serious? This I've got to figure this one out." Well, I mean, did you ever? Did you almost stump him a few times? Never stumped him, but he, there was one he wouldn't do, and it was I wrote Jesus saves, and he's like, "Dude, I <laughs> I was running out of stuff." I, we, we were running out of phrases and words. We're like, oh, my God, if he got away with diaper fight, what else is there? <laughs> you know? That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think I just sit around going, diaper fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm going to see if he'll do it again when we, when we see them in Europe. Oh, you got to you gotta do you that. You got to. got to see if he'll do it again. Yep. Oh. Now I'm going to go back and see if there's any like recordings because now I want to hear. What oh, there's got to be because gotta there's got to be. Oh, you got to give him three sides of the coin. Yeah. <laughs> Just to see what he'll do because that's a, that, that I want to see. Yeah. yeah. I don't think people will be Just <laughs> That'd be awesome. He'll pull it off. That's he, crazy. He, he pulls it off, man. He's He is. You know, like I got asked uh, a couple weeks ago who like my, the epitome of, of a rock god is or was, and and uh, it's Paul. He's the guy. He's the goat. He, uh, he set the standard and continues to do so. And, you know, he checks all the boxes uh, as far as what a, whatever your idea of what a rock god is, he's the guy. Yep, I agree. And they, they've been all of them, Paul and Gene and Tommy and Eric, they've all been so incredibly kind to us too. Oh, they're a, great people. Just they're, they're great. Just they are. They're yeah. great people. Yep. You know, they, I think they take an awful lot of shit sometimes online, but yeah, it, I kind of like it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. It's like I, I before we got on, I was on Instagram where and actually I think it was someone sent it to me where somebody is like I heard that John Five is re-recording all of the past Motley Crue records and John Five jumped on he's like are you fucking kidding me that's absolutely ridiculous yeah it's yeah. that kind of just nonsense yeah. that gets thrown out there you know yeah there's no I I it, it's really aggravating that that you know, where there's no basis in reality, somebody just comes up with this idea and throws it out there and people are so gullible that they'll take it as fact. And and that's just, you know, something that's pure fiction and has no basis in reality. It just, when people will run with it. I mean, unfortunately, that's a sad commentary on our, uh, on the state of our uh, existence these days. I agree. Do So are you still, do you collect stuff still? I don't really collect stuff, although uh, I've never been much of a collector. Okay. I, I'm more, uh, I have, you know, my, my Ibanez Iceman is my, probably my most prized possession because I bought that because of Paul Stanley 
as my first real guitar. And I went to a store called Manville Music when I was 15 years old with $400 in bills and I think $25 in change. And I purchased that guitar with my own money. And it is, uh, to me, that's my holy grail. Uh, and I will never, ever get rid of it. And I'm going to be buried with it. Um, that doesn't get given to anybody. That's mine till uh, for eternity. And I bought it because, of, again, that that the impact that that they had and he had on me and uh i just i needed that guitar that's my my homage to to you know the uh the gift that those guys gave me as a 13 year old kid Snake, we... i'm sorry guys oh no go, go go ahead lisa bye lisa bye lisa take care you. take care of yourself i shall you too so to see you soon bye guys bye bye so snake We've got to ask you at least one kiss question here that we ask all of our bigger guests. And you can be totally honest. And because you're also a kiss fan, you'll probably understand this. Did Vinnie Vincent save kiss? Ooh, good question. No. Yeah. No, because Mark thinks he did, and we're like, yeah, but he's gone. So no, Kiss saved Kiss. Uh, no, they were. Again, it comes down. It's like, you know, Vinnie Vincent didn't come in to Kiss and take over Kiss. What happened was is that Gene and Paul found a guy at that particular time that could help them write songs that would uh help them bridge the gap between what they had previously done and where they needed to go and there was a lot of change going on creatures in the night is an amazing record one of my favorite mm -hmm. albums uh so underrated but to me that was the real bridge record but uh it turned out that you know that lick it up was uh in the in the public's consciousness but 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 do you think that was even more so because they took the makeup off for look it up yeah but if the, if the songs if the songs weren't there it would it wouldn't have changed anything but you know my 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 um feeling on it is the songs on creatures of the night are as good if not better than look it up I agree. Both those albums are perfect bookends to each other. Sure. Yeah. But Lick It Up got more attention than Creatures of the Night. And I can only sit back and go for one simple reason. There was no makeup on Lick It Up. And by the and 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 as a KISS fan, you would you would know this. Growing up during that Creatures of the Night era, it was brutally tough to be a KISS fan. Brutally tough. Yeah, they were they were looked down at not just by your best friends, but by the entire music industry, by record stores. They were a joke by that point in time because of the makeup. Well, I'll tell you what, though, that that was the case even in, in the heyday. Uh, oh, you, of course. Yeah. I mean, you had the people who were sit there and they were the Led Zeppelin heads Led and they would sit there and go, you know, 
they would poo-poo kiss and and because Jimmy Page was their rock god. I get it. But yeah. to me, Jimmy Page was absolutely a rock god, but you know, so is Paul and, and Gene and Ace and, and Peter as a collective and as individuals. Um so there was always that battle. I was always uh found myself defending my Oh yeah. I I I share the story of how in 79 I was like, I want to wear my kiss t-shirt to high school in 79. And I'm like, am I ready for the shit I'm gonna take for the next day at school? And I'm yeah. like, fuck that. I'm wearing my dynasty tour t-shirt exactly. to school. And sure enough, as soon as I walk in the front door, kiss sucks, man. Yeah. Deep purple yeah. rules. Yeah, like, yeah, right, right. Fuck. I think that, I think though, like uh the I, I think that the difference between Creatures of the Night and Lick It Up was that the song, you're right about the makeup, that got them back doing a press conference on MTV when MTV wanted nothing to do with them. J.J. Uh, Jackson doing the whole reveal. Uh, but I think that it was that combined with the fact that the song Lick It Up yeah was tailor-made for for hard rock of that era, mm -hmm. uh, radio-wise and uh, video-wise. It was a new medium. They were finally getting the... It's so funny that they got, they got to take a, a, a advantage, if you will, or, or got to utilize this brand-new visual medium after they took their visual appeal and what helped make them superstars away. Like right, how right. ironic is that? Like kiss as a band from 1972 to when they took the makeup off. And, and what was that? Was that 82? 83. 83. They were this, the most visual band, the most that visual existed. band out there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, here comes MTV, and MTV wants nothing to do with the most visual band in the world until it's they crazy. take makeup off and they tailor. They wrote a song that really uh, uh, worked perfectly. And that's kind of to me. That's always been the genius of Paul Stanley, is that he has this incredible ability. And please clarify, as a musician. He has, in my mind, an ability to write any kind of song he wants. Even look at like uh, the stuff he did with Soul Station. It fits right in there with Motown and, yeah. you know, all these different types of things that he's done. And I just that's fascinating to me because he's a student of great music and great songwriting. Uh, he, he is a student, man. He is very, very well versed in uh in the art of songwriting and where it comes from its history and he allows it to impact him on all levels a great song is is a gift to the person listening to it yeah um, and so he's his influences are 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 far and wide ranging uh which is why he could sit there and 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 write a song like Parasite or She or uh, 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 Watching You and then write a song like uh, Hard Luck Woman that's meant for Rod Stewart or I Was Made for Love. I Was Made for Loving You. Uh, which he got lambasted for and I love that song. Always did. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, great song. 
and see the, all the young all the young metalheads at these big festivals singing along is it, oh yeah it's fantastic yeah you know it, talking about and that goes back to what we were talking about before too is just the the uh, timelessness of not only the the image of the band uh, but their music like with their the image is great uh but you can have a great image and have crappy music and and you're not going to be kissed yep. you, well you you can't you can't be a band that lasts 50 years without great songs oh my gosh it's it's simple as that yep right uh, uh, uh you can't you won't be here for 50 years if all you got is pyro exactly because people tire of pyro very quickly oh my god yeah yeah and and we say on the on the show mark mostly on the, is that if you're not a Kiss fan, it's because you haven't listened to them because yeah. there's so many different facets. But one of the things I always thought was really interesting that, Michael, you've told the story before. Please do, again, share it with Snake about when you called in to KQ, which is our big rock station. Oh, yeah. So, so when when um, KQRS, big rock station up in Minneapolis, where I'm originally from, you know, Creatures of the Night is out and. You know, nobody's playing Creatures of the Night. The radio's not touching it. MTV's not touching it. Nobody's touching it. Yet it, it, to KISS fans like us, it was like, holy crap, the band is back. This is, we couldn't have expected anything better than this. Yeah. Fast forward a year later, Lick It Up's coming out. KQRS is playing Lick It Up all over the radio. And I'm like, I, I, I call the radio station playing the dumb KISS fan. I'm like, dude. Who is that? Who's doing that song? Look it up. That's fucking great. And I kid you not, the DJ goes, That's Kiss. They took their makeup off. Don't they sound great now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. Fuck you. Fuck yeah. you. That's amazing. Wow. Go listen to Creatures of the Night. It's as good, if not better, but you yep. wouldn't listen to it because there was makeup. That was it. That's unbelievable. Wow. And it's just I mean, sad and that that's the commentary. It's, it's, sad, it's sad, but as yeah. you said, that existed before then. That even exists now. I mean, KISS is always to to the to the casual fan, KISS is a band that's known for makeup, spitting blood, breathing fire, and pyro. And you're like, no, that's just like the freaking frosting on the cake. Yeah. Yeah, it's all. I mean, again, it's a case of uh, you know the the whole of it, everything, the songs, the the musicianship, the stage show, the personalities. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts, and they've proven that. Yeah, but so have you guys as well. Thank you. You know, seriously. Yeah, I'll take that. For sure. For so sure. Snake, 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 what's what's the rest of the year got in store for Skid Row? Touring. Nothing but touring, uh, with the exception of we have a few weeks in August off. So Rachel and I are going to get together and, and, and keep writing. Um, we already have some stuff written. And uh, we just want to take advantage as much as we can of the the vibe uh, that we've got going on amongst the band. And it's just so positive and uh, everybody is, is on the same page and, and we just look forward to making more music and 
but we're also, you know, touring with Kiss and in Europe and uh, in the summertime and uh, doing a bunch of shows with them. And uh, we'll be going back out with Buck Cherry in September. We're going to do like three, two or three more legs with them. Uh, As you should, because it's, the, the, it's such a great package. It's really cool. And people are, I mean, there's a demand for it. You know, I mean, you could sit there and. And throw out all the things that you want to do, but if no one wants to see it, then what's the point? And luckily for us, people want to see these bands together. So, uh, and they're great guys, and we get along so well, and have tremendous respect for them, and they're a great band. Uh, so it's a lot of fun, um, and so we'll keep doing that from September till the end of the year. Uh, we're also going. Uh, uh, on Wednesday, we're going to South America, uh, and then we'll be there for, we're doing a few festivals down there. Uh, then we go to Japan, uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Europe, uh, and back, back home. And, you know, that's gotta um, be so exciting and so rewarding. It's really amazing because there's just, there, there's. For lack of a better way of putting it, there's this renewed interest in our band. And, you know, this record, uh, The Gang's All Here, um, I mean, of course we're proud of it. Uh, we There was so much hard work and and uh, put into it. And, and again, we, we made it twice, uh, which is very unusual. But to have everything work out the way that it has with Eric and, and everybody for that matter. Um, a cohesive unit that, uh, that together, we're, you know, we're, 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 you know, a decent force. Uh, and this record was not only is it the record itself, but so many other people have played a big role in helping this record get noticed. Our record label has been great. Uh, the people that we work with in, from a PR standpoint have been great. Our management has been great. I mean, everybody uh, that when other a lot of the bands will say our label sucks, our management sucks. Not the case here. Everybody has been fantastic. And, you know, the record debuted in the top 20 in, in like 10 or 11 countries. It's huge. That hasn't happened to us in 27 years. <laughs> so I know. It, yeah. look, it, might, it might not be, it might not mean what it used to mean 15 years ago or whatever, but, but it does, but it does. It, it does. It, it does. It, 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 what it means is that, People got a chance to hear it, and they liked it, and so yeah, connect, that, it, it connect it connected to them. Yeah, so it's really gratifying, and and you know, and it, it really is humbling, and 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 you know, again, uh, there's so many people to give credit to, uh, you know, besides uh, the label, like I said, and you know, our the people who booked the band, everybody, everybody has. Uh, committed to being on the same page. Uh, and it's really a group effort um, that we've been able to sort of uh, be revitalized and, and uh, be uh, a part of the people's consciousness again. Do you Snake, guys do, oh, sorry. I, I was going to say real quick. So 
One of the questions we asked Kip Winger last week, because Winger's got a new album coming out next month, is first single is really you, good. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, the, the, the songs they've dropped sound amazing. How do you approach being an artist and being creative in 2023 when so many other artists will sit here and go, no, I have no interest in recording new music because nobody's going to buy it anymore. And, and as a fan, I feel like, well, that sucks. You're an artist. Don't you want to just create because you've got that desire to create and if the only reason you want to create is because it needs to make money is it the are you the wrong is, is are you doing this for the wrong reason so i guess how do you personally and how does skid row sit back and go yeah it's 2023 yeah no we're not we're not going to go gold we're not going multi-platinum anymore but we still want to record music because that's what it's always been about uh you know when we first started out uh as you know learning how to play guitar and stuff like that and and writing songs on our own before rachel and i met each other it wasn't because we had a record deal or anything like that or as in we were kids we again it, it got it comes down to we need to find a way to express ourselves as angst-ridden teenagers uh or young adults or whatever and music turned out to be that vehicle that we all settled on not settled on found um and then when we found each other we had this commonality and so that made it even stronger but there was no there was no record to be made yet uh there was no record label there was no management there was no anything it was just a lot it, it was an idea in a garage or in a bedroom or in a living room writing music and and lyrics and melodies and figuring it all out with the hope of one day you can make a record. And so, and like I said at the very beginning, uh, this is, it was all about being able to do this for a living, to make music for a living because it's our life's blood. And that's the same uh, uh, thought process and ideology uh, that it, we that it, it encompasses us today. Um, same thing. We write because that's what we do. We're songwriters. We're guitar players. We have still have things that we want to say, uh, stories that we want to tell. Um, and there's still a lot of people out there that want that. You know, like to me, though, and I've mentioned this on other podcast shows, the last three cheap trick records are unbelievable. Yeah, they you are. Know, I would feel cheated if I didn't have those songs. You know? And I just read I just read today they're going to be writing material for another record. Of course it's they just, are. That's what they do. It's just, it's That's just what like, they do. Yeah. The, you know, I and I would I would put you in that classification with cheap trick of like, Skid Row is one of the hardest working bands out there. Yeah. You've had, you've been at the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, yeah. but you didn't stop. You didn't stop playing. You didn't stop going on tour because you couldn't sell out arenas anymore. You still played. You still kept recording. You've changed lead singers more times than a lot of bands have. But guess <laughs> what? It didn't stop you. You kept moving forward and moving forward. And you found Eric and it's gelled. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that says I, as a fan, like it when bands I love fight that hard to keep doing Don't it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Thank you. And, and, but there, you know, what's, what's great is that there really is, was no other choice. Um, it was always about our love for music, the music that we create together uh, throughout our complete history of the band. Uh, you know, we're thankful for every minute of every year that this band has been in existence and thankful to everybody who's played a part in this band throughout its history. And that goes for, you know, people at labels that we work with, uh, other members of, of the band that, that have come through, uh, and played with us. Uh, it's, it, we're thankful for all of it because it got us here somehow. And, you know, we're in a great space and, and again, just so thankful that we get to make music for a living. And I, I can't stress that enough. I can't overstate that. Uh, how that is what drives this band is that we get to create and make music and play music for a living. And it's a, I think it's, it, you're living, you're living my dream. You're living, living many people's dreams. And so to me, it's so refreshing to have, have you on and hear you speak like this because it means a lot to us as fans to hear that about you. You know, because it's like, that's what you hope it is. You hope it's not like this constant fighting thing and you're just kind of walking through the motions. And you can see that you're not because of the way you guys play and the camaraderie, but it's good to hear it as well. You Thank know, you. Are you, do you guys do any kind of uh, meet and greet packages? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh... I noticed I noticed with your merch, you also have a really cool Skid Row poster. It's about maybe 15 by 10 or 12 of all the guys and they they sign it in silver sharpie yeah. so they got some really cool merch so please get out there buy the new record oh. get out and see them live because you'll have a great time and just tape whatever the fuck is on tv and get out and go see some rock and roll and get a, a meet and greet or it's just a, it's a you know what again there there's no uh replacing uh the live experience none none it, 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 and it's I think it's 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 food for the soul, at least from my perspective. Oh, it may, I've all I've always said going to a rock concert makes you younger. You know, may, yeah, maybe absolutely. maybe only by a little bit, but while you're there, you feel young, you feel full of energy. Now, you know, I'm also at that point where I'm like, boy, it would be great if the shows ended ended by nine o'clock so I could get home <laughs> at a decent hour. But <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> And we can hit the buffet it. for the early bird special before the show. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Now it's. Uh, it, I think it's. It's even. You know, it's stronger now than than ever. Uh, again, as we spoke of earlier, talking about bands that are you know playing stadiums now because you know they couldn't play these places if there wasn't a demand, uh, right. and people who were playing theaters or playing arenas, and because people want to see live music. Right, so, uh, I love it. I, I, I this this interest in in uh, this renewed interest in in the live spectacle is uh, very inspiring. Although the stadiums don't work for me, I, I, it's almost too big, you know. Uh, and, and I yeah. was surprised, like 
and no disrespect to the Chili Peppers, because I think they're a great band. There's some stuff I really like that they do, but they just played U.S. Bank Stadium here, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago in, in Minnesota, and there's a lot of tickets left over. I did, I almost kind of think like, oh, gee, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, um, Joan Jett, and Poison had such a successful run. Well, we'll do it too. So right. I'm hoping that that will run its course as well. And, and I want you to, to have the best career you can have. I want you guys to make money. But at the same time, it's nice to have it at least intimate enough that you feel like you're a part of the show rather than watching it from literally a football field away. I totally understand that uh again um for me i've always i mean look i prefer to see a show at a at a club or a or you know an arena that's mm -hmm. packed yeah uh, but i love playing stadiums <laughs> oh, yep. yeah uh, and I I, but i love playing clubs i love playing so but there's something different though when you agree about going to say play rocklahoma oh yeah you know, versus playing in a, a football stadium. It just seems so, I don't know. It doesn't feel like this, like those large Danny Wimmer presents type of things. Those are just, there's something special because those are the real hardcore people that are Well, there. those are festivals and festivals yeah. are great. I mean, because there's just, there's such a wide range of, uh, music being brought to the people that, uh, is something for everybody really. And so, to me, uh, you know, that festival atmosphere, it's like going on vacation almost. Uh, it's just a really great experience that, I mean, you'll talk about for the rest of your life, hopefully. Oh, God, yeah. I can't imagine you wouldn't. Yeah, and I'm the head photographer at uh, Rockfest, so we got to get you back to Kadat. Yeah, I love Kadat, man. We had a blast there. And you got to see the new stage is even cooler. It, yeah, Earth. so we got to get you back up there because they love you up there. Absolutely. It's been a good that the whole area up there has always been really good for us. We spent well, a lot of time in that in, in that area. Yeah, like the first show at Bowler. I mean, that's out in the middle of nowhere. And this yep. you fucking sold it out. It was packed. It was so oh, it's cool. Great. And the vibe was just like incredible. And I can't I can't say that enough for those of you who are sitting on the sideline watching these podcasts that we do every week. Get out and see some live music. Yeah. You're never too old. Never too old, that's for sure. Mm -mm. Snake, this was this was amazing. Thank you for taking time out of your day to that's so cool. To, oh, to my talk, talk, talk about the greatest band in the world, Kiss. That's right. That's right. I have no problem with that at all. Anytime, gentlemen. Anytime. Well, you're always maybe, welcome. We'd love to have may, you back. May, on maybe, maybe we'll have you back on while you're touring with them over in Europe. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, I, let me see if I can get him to do the word of the day again, and then you got to do the word of the day. That would, be, that would be so cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Paul will just go. I know. Not this again. Exactly. <laughs> He'll be asking me why I why I haven't grown up yet. Yeah, oh, of exactly. course. Yeah. Because, because I'm a Kiss kid fan. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a Kiss fan. I don't want to grow up. I'm That's a member right. of the Kiss Army. We don't yeah. grow up. That precludes us from, from growing up. And exactly. Growing up. Snake, yeah. this was awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Best guys. Best of luck out on the road. And yeah, you got to, everybody, go check out the new Skid Row album. It's very it, good. It, Thank the magic is there. You can Thank feel you it. Guys. Mm -hmm. Well, you guys be well. Keep doing what you're doing. We All will. Right. Take and, care, uh, man. We'll see you soon. Talk soon. Bye bye. Bye. Another fucking home run, dude. I, you know, listen, what can I say? You can, you can 
hear and feel his love for Kiss. He's just oh, like God. us. Um, I love his attitude as a professional musician. Yep. Um, you know, it's just refreshing that artists like Snake, Skid Row, Kip, and Winger still care about music. Yeah, it's refreshing. Because I want, you know, I, and okay, maybe I'm not the typical music consumer anymore, but I want new albums. I want new music by bands I love. It's just, I don't know, that's so important to the music experience to me is getting new music from, from, from your favorite bands. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, 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 yeah. Um, homework for this week. Um, does any, anybody have suggestions for word of the day for Paul Stanley? That's good. Yep. And then also too, I want to hear from you guys that have the new Skid Row record. Yeah. What do you think of the new Skid Row? What do you think of that? You know, and, and how do you feel about what they're doing? And did you see the gangs all here tour yet with uh, Buck Cherry? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, seriously, Skid Row is one of the hardest working bands out there. They've, they've, they keep, they keep pushing forward. And I think yep. that's the key here. They keep moving forward. Sometimes it doesn't move as forward as you'd want. You make changes, you adjust. But, you know, this new album, the new singer, everybody is just like, wow, this is it. This sounds amazing. They're back. Not that they went anywhere, but you know what I mean. The, the sound is back. The vibe is back. The magic's back. The renewed they, interest, all that. Yeah, yeah. Something, something connected. And, and yeah. So check out the new album. Let us know what you think. Check them out on tour. Um, and yeah, give us uh, some word of the day suggestions for Paul Stanley. We want to hear your comments. That's it. Three sides of the coin. We're out of here. We'll see you next week. Bye. Do you have something to say? Leave a voicemail or send us a text message. Call 320-515. Voices for three sides of the coin. Provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.